think she got Corona all for nothing. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> How are you feeling? A lot better. Today is a good day. I, I don't sound as crackly. How are you feeling? This is like the first day I don't sound like a monster. How like and did you get a fever? Did you like go through all of the stages of terrible corona? You know, it's crazy. First of all, I tested negative yesterday. So Oh good. There is like a a light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) Good to know. But I didn't have it too bad. But Kate, I was a wrecking ball. I took down like nine people. Are you serious? Yeah. I took I took down nine people. And they all confirmed. I come from a bar mitzvah. So my friend's parents got it. My other best friend got it. She shared a bed with me. I mean, it's just like I keep hearing like you. I was mortified. Vicky is I don't know. Vicky's invincible. You didn't get it, Vicky? I never get it. (laughs) Vicky, knock on wood. Yeah, knock. I drink yeah. so much. My friend who's a fireman told me, you know, they when they, when they had to test the homeless in San Diego, because that's what they were doing. None of the homeless had it. You're kidding. So I think it's alcohol. <laughs> that's right. We're earning it. This episode's going to just fly off the charts. It's going to be crazy because we've had to work so hard for one episode. Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles, and at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. This is a dual guest situation, which I love so much. Our first guest today is here for her inaugural visit to Service from Hell. Help me introduce and welcome the hilarious comedian Vicki Barbalak. Vicki is one of America's most universally loved comedians. Her positive take on living in a trailer park, her divorces, and motherhood are masterfully performed, reflecting her 20-plus years on stage. Discovered by Mitzi Shore, Vicki honed her skills performing nightly in Hollywood at the world-famous Comedy Store. She went on to win Nick at Night's Funniest Mom in America, and the whole world got to know Vicki on season 13 of America's Got Talent. Simon Cowell, after seeing Vicky's first performance, told Vicky, quote, I think you are the funniest comedian we've ever had on the show, end quote. Vicky went on to the AGT Champions shows in Britain and in the U.S. She's currently on her Trailer Palooza 2 tour and is busy entertaining at corporate and charity events across the country. One of my favorite humans is back here again, folks, for her second visit to Service from Hell. Please help me welcome back to the podcast our favorite purveyor of Dick T, comic, actor, and producer Sean Palau. Sean was born one out of only 10 Jews in Oklahoma, and she flourished in the field of stand-up comedy, culminating with her current status as a paid regular at the world-famous Comedy Store. Adding to her many comedic accolades, Sean has been featured on the Just for Last Comedy Festival and in multiple all-female hit comedy tours. Her gay following is truly her success. She is especially proud to be an ally of the LGBTQIA plus community, which has given her countless opportunities to entertain on many cruises and host HRC events. She opened for the greats such as Richard Lewis, Robert Klein, and Bill Maher, and has written for the comedic legend Joan Rivers. Currently, Sean is a producer on the game show Funny You Should Ask and creator of the hit LA Live show Social Media Meltdowns, which you can see currently all over LA. She has a boatload of TV and movie credits that you can find on her IMDb, but since we only have an hour, I had to leave those out. These two comedy powerhouses are here today to discuss their hilarious new podcast, Trailer Park Diaries. This outrageous duo, think modern day AbFab, discover a trunk full of other 
other people's diaries at the trailer park and read them. It's part reality, part fiction, and no cocktail is left behind. I better know Sean and Vicky from the Comedy Store, from my television, and Sean was the inaugural guest on Service from Hell three years ago, and the rest is history. So to start, ladies, please tell us about your podcast and how you came up with the idea. Well, first and foremost, Kate, we want to thank you for having us on. And I think I'm going to add the title purveyor of Dick T to my IMDb credits. (laughs) I really feel like it's going to push my career forward. (laughs) It's it's hilarious. It's just, I can't believe that's what people, like how people remember me. That's actually how I want to be remembered, huh, Vicky? (laughs) Think of the t-shirts. Think of the cup sales. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) Oh, I love it. Listen, I can't help what the audience loves. Yeah. Well, you know, Vicky and I, we came up with this because we knew we were best friends. And, you know, we're two, we come from like two opposite lives. Like growing up, things were very, very different. Yet we came together as best friends and we're so much alike in ways and we totally get each other's sense of humor. So we really work well off each other. And we knew we wanted to do a podcast together. And so kind of during the lockdown, we had sat down with all things comedy and kind of brainstormed an idea. And I knew that uh, we wanted to work off of Vicky's trailer persona because it's not just a persona. Vicky really lives in a trailer park. What? So yeah. It's a tragic truth. <laughs> Yeah, it's lovely. That's where you're record. We're recording, or you're in your trailer as we speak. Correct? Absolutely. This is what a double wide looks like, Kate. It's nice. I'm very Thank impressed. You. Vicky's had how many trailers have you have you lived in, Vicky? Because this is this, well, this, this, four this actually four. When you say double wide, can you explain to the audience that is not from where I'm from? I know what a double wide is, but could you explain what that means? Well, it it means that there's like two trailers going down the the street. You know, you see those trailers going down the street with like a bunch of plastic on one side. Yeah. One following the other. That's double wide. You put them together. Boom. That's your double wide. Okay. Your single wide. They're much more mobile. These things are real bitches to move. So (laughs) the thing is, I mean, like this place is like 1500 square feet. You know, it's on top of a hill. Get the ocean breezes. And I live in Southern California for less than a thousand bucks a month. (laughs) That's the real secret to success right there. So now this persona of like trailer parks. So this fed into the idea for the podcast. So you have written these diaries or did you actually find diaries? We we, we sourced diaries and then we kind of um, added to them. So we didn't like they're not from scratch, but they're not completely made up. They are they fall between that. This podcast is some written and some improvised and some reality. So not everything you're going to hear is is real or maybe happened in our lives, but we're pretty true to form in this. So in this podcast, you know, you have to suspend disbelief that I am this person that moved into the trailer park with Vicky. And it really there's a lot of detail of our lives, but I move into this trailer park with Vicky and she's the manager of the trailer park and she finds this trunk full of diaries and each season we'll go through a new diary and read them and we discuss them. Okay. I love it. And where can we find trailer park diaries right now? You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, 
Apple, is it uh, Google Podcast, wherever, wherever you, you can call find us, it. we'll come over and play it for you <laughs> yeah. in your home. Exactly. Uh, okay. And it's on the network All Things Comedy, which has a ton of very successful, amazing podcasts. So if you are a fan of All Things Comedy or any of the podcasts that you have heard there, hop on over there and find Trailer Park Diaries. And so is it a limited run series or is it a podcast in perpetuity? Well, we hope it's uh, the second one. Okay. We're right now writing, already writing uh, and working on uh, recording the second season. So right now it's just, I mean, this 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 series is a 12 episodic, well, it's not episodic yet, but it's 12 episodes. So, uh, and it was, it was a lot of work, but it was just so fun to hear it all come together. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bit a ball doing it. Uh, okay, great. So we we can look forward to more of that. All right, great. So, uh, Sean, we got to know you uh, individually a little <laughs> bit on your first episode. But Vicky, so what got you into comedy, and how did you end up on AGT? Like, what is the what was your trajectory for that? So I I just kind of didn't start stand up till I was about forty, and I was working for my parents' carpet store and. And I just took this comedy class and and I fell in love with it. And I told my parents to sell the shop and I would just move. And I took my daughters, we bought a cheap trailer and I just jumped out like 23, four years ago into it with, you know, not knowing it was a really bad idea. Thank God I didn't know. <laughs> so, so, that, so then Mitzi found me a couple years into when I started and, and she was really good to me. And, uh, and Mitzi, then I, Mitzi owns the comedy Mitzi store, store, the comedy yeah. store. Right. That's so was miracle. And then, and then, you know, I just kept doing it. And and then, I you know, I was, I, I was really, no no industry would pay much attention to me except Mitzi. So I never, I just kept doing it, but I didn't like get known much other outside the comedy community. And um, and then I like, I won Funniest Mom in America, but that still agents go, oh, you're too fat, you're too old, nothing. But things have evolved since then for women a lot, but you know, whatever. But the bottom line is uh, AGT was just such a lucky break because America sees you and the world sees you and and you work around the industry in like, like a cheating way. It's fantastic. <laughs> so how did you, how did that fall into your lap? Because I feel like since you said you came to it later, was it just like, oh, I'll do anything to try and get... Well, my- no, Shanika and I used to do a show called Hagfest with Sharon Houston. It was mostly in gay clubs and stuff. And we danced and sang. It was really terrible show. People threw stuff at us, but we had a good time. So, um, <laughs> stuff at us. Oh, you remember when I... Well, except for my dancing. But... um. So uh, Sharon, you know, I hadn't heard it for years. And she called me and she goes, uh, how are you? And she's shooting it. And I'm like, hey. And she goes, listen, I'm calling because I'm producing AGT now. You want to audition? I'm like, you're crazy. They're going to fire you if you bring me in. I thought they would never take me. And she goes, no, they're British. They like you. I'm so okay. I'll do it. Because they're allowed to age in England. That's true. Well, and and they're they're like, I'm a wacky comic, you know, I'm, I'm really wacky. So the British like wacky stuff. Sure. So that was good. Um, and so did somebody say to you, hey, you're really funny. And then you just thought at 40, like, who cares? I'm going to just do this now. Or what was it you know, at what that happened, age? I, like when I took the class, I mean, like I go, you know, I, I didn't I've been one stand up comedy show in my life. And luckily it was at the comedy store years ago. But I mean, I didn't know the comedy scene. I just I just knew that anything I ever got in my life, I got from making people laugh. So I just thought I'd give it a shot. And I did. And I just felt, I felt immediately like, I felt like people were throwing diamonds and donuts at me the first time I performed. I loved it so much. Well, you didn't, so, you didn't bomb. You like nailed it. Oh yeah. Everybody, don't you think everyone nails it their first time? 
I mean, I killed it. And I thought, I'm going to call an agent. I'm going to get a home in Beverly Hills tomorrow. I thought I was going to be a superstar. You know, because I think a lot of people, their first time out, you do well. And then the audience probably feels for you. But but I mean, but then and then immediately after that, I, I began bombing consistently for like three years. So... <laughs> Okay. Um, And then, so Sean, uh, now we've, you've obviously, we've done your intro and then people love you and know you, but I want to go back because I don't think I've ever asked you this question. Did you, what got you picking comedy? Like, because you had done improv before at the Groundlings with like Will Ferrell and tons of heavy hitters. And so did you like step on stage doing com or doing stand up and think, oh, but this, this is what I actually want? No, actually, I thought the opposite. <laughs> I, I, I had, I had, I, I always performed as a kid in school plays and humorous and inter- drama contests. I always did impersonations and characters, and my goal was actually to end up on SNL. Uh, as you can see, how well that worked out. So <laughs> I still time. had joined like sketch comedy and trained with improv. And that really was my first love. But I think after doing sketch comedy for a while and we couldn't really get the audiences in, I just, I had to find a better showcase for myself. And maybe a couple of years before that, I had taken a stand-up class with Judy Carter. And like Vicky said, you go up your first time, you invite all your friends to the club. You do feel like you can knock it out of the park. And so I was like, you know what? I I need a better showcase for myself. So I started to do stand-up a little more. And that really took off more than sketch comedy did because I was my own platform. And how did you get in with the loving and very supportive like LGBTQIA scene? Well, first of all, I broke my nose three times. So (laughs) I I look like Barbara Streisand. And yes, like I will say, I am waiting for her to die in a tragic boating accident so I can play her in the biopic. Let's just you say could. The, the moment. Hey, it happened for J-Lo and Selena. My time's coming. It is it's coming. Damn it. <laughs> but I think with that happening and me breaking my nose, you know, g- gay men would just stop me and in public and be like, oh, my gosh, you look like Barbara Streisand. So I think there was just kind of this attraction to me. And I mean, it, it happened actually when I was in sixth grade, even the one gay guy in Oklahoma who was closeted. <laughs> was my friend. So I could see that kind of, you know, magnetism. And when I finally decided to do stand-up comedy professionally, I knew I needed a niche and I knew that I had to gather a following. And so I just started really performing mostly in gay venues. And then that set me up to perform on all gay cruises. And there's like 6,000 gay men on there. And so when I was continuously doing that for nine years, that's how my following grew. That's so awesome. And then Vicky, did you also decide as a comic you needed a certain niche that you could stay in in order to attract an audience? Or were you just like No. No. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. Anyone. 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 Prison. Anybody. <laughs> Have you ever performed in a prison? <laughs> yeah. Have you I really? Yeah, I loved it. I did um a prison outside of San Diego just before COVID and <laughs> it was so fantastic. We, I, I loved it. Wait, why was it Everyone fantastic? loves prison shows. We do they? Oh, they're the best. Wait, why? Fantastic. Because the people there are like, you know, if they get to watch the show, they're like model prisoners that have worked really hard. And to see all these people that are just trying to make their lives better and they're laughing and they're loving that you came, I would do, I would go 
uh, I would go all the time. I can't wait till they're back open again. As as soon as I met, the, finally a dream came true, and I've met this prison ministry, and they, I thought, oh, I'm going to get to do all kind of prisons now. And then it, COVID came. I can't wait till they're back open. It's so fun. Vicki, are you really going to the prisons to perform comedy, or are you looking for your fourth husband? Okay, there I'm we go. Looking, We're going to move it on. looking for okay. a good time, uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> We're going to change the subject. I'm looking for a good time. You know what? I'm really proud of myself. I thought of a stupid joke while you were talking about this. Talk about a captive audience. See what I did? Captive audience. I'm That's funny, right. too. Okay. We're so uh, hilarious. <laughs> she just rolled her ass. All right, folks. Well, we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to move on to the entrees after a quick break. Okay, we are back. All right, and now it's time for the entrees. Now, Vicky, you don't know this segment because you've not done this, but Sean and I have done this before, but I am going to toss questions to both of you. But this is where we get into the customer service realm of this podcast. So, Vicky, what was what was your first job ever where the government was like taking taxes out of your income? Actually, it was in a little Mexican restaurant in Corona High School, and I was a senior in high school, and I got a job in the kitchen, food prepping sure. and dishwashing, and I loved it. And then after a couple of weeks, they wanted they go, you want to work in the front and be a waitress? And I said, okay. And I was so bad because I have really bad, <laughs> I have ADD, I can't remember anything. I, I I don't know how anyone could be a server. I see you in the, when you used to run around the store, I'm like, how do you ever get any of that right? I can't. So like every night I would tell people it's my first night. And then like the second week, just people came back the second time. They go, you said that Thursday, Vicky. So I got to go back to the kitchen where I was happy. <laughs> okay. So, so they kicked you out of serving. <laughs> I love it. Now, Sean, did you actually like serving when you did it? Well, that actually wasn't my first job serving before I became a waitress. I worked as a sales representative for Express, the we, store. Did we talk? Oh, yeah, because they had the French music when you worked there yes. and it made you insane. Yeah. So we That's, did talk about that. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. That's... I'm much older now after three <laughs> years. There was a pandemic, you know, so I forget things. A what? Um, but that, that was actually my first job in the service. And I, I found people kind of thankless then. So I don't know what oh. motive. Well, I know what motivated me to go into the in waiting tables because that's what you do when you're trying to make it as an actress. Sure. And you're working in common, you're doing everything. And that's where you, you're supposed to find flexibility in schedules. So my first uh, waitressing job was at the Olive Garden in Pasadena. Yeah, wow. in a but, mall. And that one's still there, isn't it? I think it is. No. No? no that one's gone. Mall, okay. That mall got redone, it became this outdoor mall. And now there's only like two stores in the mall. I don't know. The the mall, there's, there's some plague hanging over that mall. <laughs> Not only did they have the Olive Garden, which... Wasn't the cleanest. We didn't keep it the cleanest. Uh, so <laughs> I think it's I'm kind of grateful that it's not there anymore because we used to, I used to pull oh, back we, in the, I used to pull out the salad without without my with 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 my hands, no gloves. But to be clear, that like, does un- not happen now. Uh, they do not. Do, everybody right. wears gloves now. It's totally sanitary. Right. This, this was, was a long a while ago, long time ago. Like I instead of unlimited salad, I handed out unlimited scurvy. So you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> Okay. Now, Vicky, how many customer service jobs have you had total? Now, I count stand-up comedy as a customer service job, but what would you say, like, in addition to stand-up comedy that you've done customer service-wise besides, so we said food prep slash serving at that Mexican restaurant. What else have you done? Well, then I had a really fun job while I was in junior college at 
the Boys and Girls Club in Solana Beach, and I was oh. the games room director. So I just got to play pool with hot young teenage boys all day, <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> and um, and so I was asked to leave. Uh, Were you really asked to leave? Yes, I was. I didn't know his tooth was an eighteen. I the guy had a beard. <laughs> So, and then when I was 19, my parents opened up our carpet store and I worked there for 22 years in the days before Yelp when you could treat customers like you wanted to. Okay, what does that mean? We were horrible to people. <laughs> we were like, you know, you talk about bad customers. We were bad servers. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the our carpet store was connected to a liquor store by the by the wall, it was connected by a wall to the liquor store. And they, the, they That's good news building. for you, Vicky. Good news <laughs> for you know, and so my parents would start drinking every afternoon and then the, they'd look at those big soft carpet rolls and just lay down and go to sleep like two or three <laughs> nights a week. Is that true? People would come in. It's absolutely true. People would come in in the morning and they, my parents wouldn't even shut the door. They just walk in. Customers like, are you open? And then they get up off the carpet rolls. Yeah, fine. Come here. Oh my God. And, and we only sold seconds and irregulars, things with streaks and holes, you know, cheap carpet that you could not find anywhere else. It was brand new, but it was hideous. And, but, you know, there's the quality was great, but, you know, it was flawed. So people loved our bargains. And because we were the only ones that offered them, you know, we didn't have to take any shit from people, you know. And so we were r- routinely rude. So what why seconds in a regular like I didn't even know that was a, a type of carpet. Well, you there could you buy. go. There's very few people that are into that market. <laughs> so the thing is, a lot, we had two kind of customers, the desperate and the very wealthy. So, I mean, the very wealthy would come in and we'd put these these seconds, you know, the gorgeous carpet with a flaw in homes in Rancho Santa Fe and stuff because they were they're so cheap. And then we put it in for people that are really poor young families who couldn't afford anything else. And and so we were nicer to them <laughs> and realtors. And so this 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 market of irregulars and seconds was really good for people that, you know, property management. So it was but still we were just you know, we were terrible at it. I mean, I never, I never wore shoes and I wore <laughs> tiny little skirts and people had to look at my holy underwear when I bent over the rolls. And it was, it, it was a, not a good experience. They, they actually changed the name to fuck you carpet. <laughs> they did. Uh, yeah. Wait, so Vicky, how did your parents get into such a tiny little like subset of the carpet population? Like why not well, sell the new stuff? So, so the thing was, my dad worked for other people for the whole time I was growing up. And he just, he played professional football and stuff, but he never could figure his life out. So he just started selling carpet for people. And he did that forever. And so finally, he got a little bit of money to open his own shop in Oceanside. We thought we'd go out of business in like a week. But we had this, he had this idea to sell at a discount. Then we realized that if we really amped that up and really, really focused on irregulars and seconds, People could buy carpet out of the third of the price anywhere else. Nobody was doing that. And we found these connections in Georgia. So, you know, it, it just was a good idea. Nobody was doing it. Hardly anyone does it now. I don't know why not. It's such yeah. A- <laughs> okay. And Barfo. Was that the job you had right before comedy took off for you? Yeah. Like I literally, my parents, we'd, you know, gotten up to three stores and, you know, doing, you know, millions of dollars of volume and, I just, I just said, I, I can't do it anymore. I am done. Sell it for your retirement. Take all the money, and I'm gone. And I, and I just couldn't do it anymore. So I literally went with nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing, and I bought a trailer for eleven thousand dollars. And my daughters and I moved in and became instantly poor, immediately and completely poor, like you are when you're a stand-up comic without TV credits. So that's what we did, and I wouldn't. I don't regret it at all. 
Oh, that's great. And Sean, what was the job you had right before comedy took off for you? God, uh, that I was a front desk girl at a PR firm, Burson Marsteller. And I call it Burson Marshmallow. <laughs> I don't know why, but that I was there for a couple of years. So when people came in for meetings or whatnot or called the office, I was that person you had to deal with. And usually I was really nice unless you weren't nice to me. <laughs> okay. And what was it? When was the moment that you knew you could be done and make comedy slash acting, producing all of that, like finally your main bread and butter? Was, was it just one day you woke up and you're like, that's it, I'm done? Well, I, I think it's when I got offered my to work my first gay cruise and that's when I was like, you know, this is where I'm going to take the leap of faith. I'm going to jump and I'm just going to do stand-up comedy professionally now. I had put, you know, at, at, at least eight years or nine years into it and was like, we got we to gotta jump and, and make money doing what I actually love to do. And I just put my eyes on the prize and was like, just keep doing it and doing it well and collect collect gay fans and you will move forward. Oh, that's awesome. And now you two have, um, for longtime listeners of the podcast in Sean's episode, we discuss a particular location that Sean worked at where she was able to take extra special care of her friends that would come in and she could give them some champagne, maybe a little caviar, have a good time because, you know, she was good to the cooks. Can you tell us the story of how your customer service paths crossed in that regard? Uh, that place I worked at, I gave out so much champagne, I might as well been Bevmo. Like, <laughs> Vicky, Vicky can attest to this. I know we had to have a card. We had to have a Seanica card. We had to show it to get our <laughs> discount there. I love, I, there's nothing more I loved doing than treating my friends and family to a lunch in this high-end department store place where were ladies lunch and Vicky would come in and she'd come in her leopard dress you know maybe she'd bring a friend or her daughter and maybe she'd just come alone sometimes she would just come alone just yeah. to you know drink vats of expensive yeah. champagne <laughs> and I had that lobster bisque and I had such the hookup there because the yeah. chefs liked me the pastry chefs liked me the line cooks liked me so I would steal and take whatever I could. Now, my favorite is, you know, the hard shit is to get the liquor. But the liquor was run by this sweet Guatemalan man named Tony, who we called White Jacket. White, <laughs> and then he would say, because, you know, he had an accent. He was White Jacket. And White Jacket was the most loving man and still is. And I would go to him and say, White Jacket. Can you, you know, pour me a glass of that, you know, $45 champagne, a glass, $45, $45 a glass. And this is like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And he would pour that glass for me and I bring it out. And then I just kept, we just kept filling it up. Maybe gone through two bottles for any friend that come. And I just made everybody feel like a rock star. And, and, and that's. That's how I did it. That's that was me giving back. Oh, it was so much fun. That is though. Couldn't you get a part-time job back there? I mean, that is what keeps us artists arting though, is that when we have friends that do that kind of thing, we get to feel fancy for even just a couple hours. And it changes our mentality from these broke people who can't rub two pennies together to these fancy ladies who lunch. So it's you you were doing everybody a favor mentally. 
Good job, Sean. Thank yeah. you, Kate. Good, <laughs> good job stealing, Sean. Great. <laughs> it's Robin Hood. It's very different. Gosh. So how did now that obviously you guys didn't meet at that place because obviously you knew Vicky uh, before. So how did your paths originally cross? Was it in the comedy world? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was actually at the comedy store in the belly room before Vicky and I were made regulars by Mitzi Shore. Vicky, you want to tell a story? Yeah, well, we were at a, a belly room show and there's this girl that ran it. She was a real strange bird. And uh, <laughs> she goes, I'll buy you guys dinner for doing my show. And so we're, you know, we're so happy. So we did her show. And I, I was the first time I saw Shanika and she just laid me out. She was so funny. And I, there was very few women back then working, to be honest. And I hadn't seen that many really funny people yet. And I saw Shanika and I was like, dying. And then I was so excited. We we're going to go to dinner and we get there and, and this girl never showed up. So Shanika and I are like looking across from each other and she's so little and petite. I'm like, you want to share a meal? You know, it's late at night. And she goes, and she just jumps up and she goes, no. I'm like, okay. uh, I'm still like that. For years, I didn't order anything because I learned that she doesn't eat a whole meal, but now she caught me and now I have to order my own. But, but uh, for years, it was a good ploy. And, and we, so we just became really best pals ever since then. Yeah. Vicky, Vicky, I remember seeing her that night as well. And it was, it was, she was pure inspirational because I hadn't seen anyone deliver one-liners like that. And her, her point of view was just so clear. I mean, she was the lady, the kind of the funny body lady that lived in the, in the trailer park. And you knew exactly, I knew exactly what to do with Vicky. At that time, I wish I was casting. I wish I was a producer. There were, there's so many things. I, I would have known exactly what to do with her. What would you have done with her at that time? Oh, I would have, I would have thrown her right away into sitcoms and had her playing the neighbor, the best friend until she had her own vehicle. Yeah. And, and what would you, Vicky, if you could cast Sean at that time, what would you have cast her as? Oh yeah. I cast her. I cast her as a reverend's wife in a small town Midwestern covenant where she plays a little woman who bakes and no, I I mean of course of course I'd put her as a diva, you know, I'd put her like in an ab fab show. I'd put her as a diva, I'd put her with a you know, running a, a a gay club. I'd I'd put her, you know, in a fancy jewelry store that she owned and you know and I would a million things like that. Yeah. Her character is so defined as well. Yeah, you guys both have very clear points of view. So we just talked about um, how you guys met, what you would cast each other as. So um, have either of you told a customer to go F themselves or to get out of your face or any version thereof? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Several times. How many times? How many stories? No. <laughs> Vicky's a Scorpio. Of course she has. <laughs> I, I, I remember one time my dad, my dad was very honest. He, he wasn't, you know, he played football. He had a very damaged brain, but he was honest. And this one uh, realtor accused him of cheating on yardage. And I, I just went over there and I'm like, you know, I heard you. I heard from someone that you accused my father of cheating and and you are no longer allowed in our store, you asshole. Good for you. And I went I literally went to his office and uh and said that and then walked out, came back to the shop, and then he uh he just kept begging to buy from us again. You know, once you, you, we I 
I said no, but my father said yes. Oh, he <laughs> did. <laughs> okay, uh, Sean, have you ever told a customer to f off? Well, you know, I was a little bit I'm sneakier than just saying fuck off to a customer because I wanted to keep my job. <laughs> so, of course, as um, per your listeners know, I went about it in roundabout ways, <laughs> like handing off my table to somebody else, <laughs> cut to Dick T. Uh, but, there, but there were moments where I did tell customers, I just flat out said no. And, and an example of that, which I think I, I probably talked about the first time I appeared on your podcast was we used to have Milton Burl's wife come in and she would sit in the VIP. Would you call her? What was her nickname? Her nickname was, well, because Milton Burl, supposedly he's this old school comedian for, for, for people who don't know. And he was known in Hollywood supposedly for having the biggest genitalia member. A monster and dog. So, yeah. So yeah. behind the scenes, when she would come in and sit down, we'd be like, uh-oh, table 50, Mrs. Horsecock is here. And we'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> you know? So that's what we called her behind the scenes. But she, you know, she was younger than him. So he had passed away. She would come in and she was like kind of notoriously cheap. She didn't leave you a great tip and then she'd run you ragged. And so in the middle of like the holiday season, when the store is just full of rich, high maintenance people and you had 12 tables and you're running for your life and she would just turn to you in the middle of it and be like, listen, darling, could you go to the third floor and get me a low-fat yogurt at the market upstairs? And I just remember turning to her and going, uh, no, no, I can't. Like, look around, you know? And so I I guess she, she handled it. I mean, I didn't get fired. But there were stacks of letters written to, you know, this department store about me. And they were... For the number of, uh, like I said, the stack of letters written like, this girl told me no, there was double the stack of this girl is great. She went above and beyond. I mean, one time I think I ran up those 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 three fucking escalators in the middle of my lunch rush to get this, like, you know, because my manager, you know, Jim, and he was this little gay man who, you know, <laughs> called me Shauna, Shauna, which my name is Sean. And the only person who can call me other than that is Vicky, as you've heard, who calls me Shanika. Now everybody calls me Shanika. They're all hacking Vickies, especially after they hear the podcast. Everybody calls me Shanika, but Shauna was, you know, he'd say, Shauna, you know, you've got to say yes to it. And I'm like, what? I'm not like a marathon runner. I'm one person running out my food, you know, stealing champagne, getting desserts, ah! <laughs> taking the orders. For me to be running to the third floor to, to make frozen yogurt for someone, that's that's a little far-fetched. Yeah. And have you, okay, so was there ever an incident, and I'm going to ask you both this, but we'll start with you, Sean. Was there ever an incident where they asked to speak with the manager right away, like in real time, they were like, they escalated it? Oh, many. <laughs> Where do I begin? Yeah, there were many. There were many times when they're like, I want to speak to your manager. And I'm like, sure, let me get him. And Jim usually really had, and before Jim, we had, when we opened up the store, we had this lovely woman, Karen, and boy, was she Karen's Coney. And actually there's a restaurant name. Is it Chaconis or Chaconis? Chaconis in LA. And she was married to a comedian who won Star Search. 
And so she had a really good sense of humor. Unfortunately, she she died from brain cancer really oh. young in her 40s, like a couple of years after she helped open the store. But she would go to bat for us, especially when this when we when we opened the restaurant. It used to be a restaurant at the top level of the store, and all these regulars would come in and they had a separate area in the restaurant for people who paid more and were regulars. And then they had the restaurant itself. And when it all got combined into one restaurant downstairs and it was opened up with these Alexander Calder tapestries and it was very modernized, uh, the old school people hated it day one because they didn't like change. And they would come in and complain. And if the if the bread maker, the popover, I remember one day when the popover oven broke and there weren't popovers to be served and people came in and they just rip your asshole open wide. They would just lay into me. And I'm like, you know, it's just bread, right? And I'd have to go get her. And she would say the same shit. She had your back. And so for the most part, my managers always had my back because they knew we were dealing with crazy. See, that's very rare. And I'm happy to hear that. Vicky, Vicky do you have any? I mean, I guess because your parents were the managers. Oh, yeah, it was great. They go, <laughs> I'd like, you know, like to speak to your boss. I'm like, mom. <laughs> <laughs> mom, mom, mom would come over and they'd go, your daughter is just, uh, you know, she, she's just, she, she's promised this one price and she's changing it. And so my mother would go, oh yeah, well, Vicky's just a bitch. Are you serious? So, no, I'm serious. And that would be that. So they didn't, yeah. you, your managers didn't have your back, ironically. They, they didn't have my back. My mom would go, absolutely. She's a little bitch. What, are you, <laughs> what am I going to tell you? <laughs> okay, I so mean, nepotism doesn't but pay. But the good news, though, about it, Kate, is in the service industry, I I really tried to give it my all. And I always did. If you were nice to me, you got the world. I'd oh, yeah. run up 50 flights for you. Yeah. It's yeah. just that, like, it, but if you were cheap and you went out of your way to be cheap and you were you were nasty or you weren't nice or you, you know, you felt entitled, then, then I had a problem. Sure. And yeah. uh, have either of you ever been fired? <laughs> well, that one time from the boys and girls club, but <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got fired once when I worked at a daycare. Oh, you did. And I, yeah, I got fired once again. I don't even know why I got fired. I think they, and it was a daycare in Oklahoma. It was one of my first jobs, but I, I didn't, they they definitely violated all rules. Like there were, I had maybe like twenty, like two year olds, and no no one human being no should have twenty two. But it just it was a it was a real trashy place. They just they did not have it together. And I don't I, remember why I got fired, but I got fired. I got fired from a stand up job. Do you ever get fired from a job, Shanika? I got fired from the Star Theater in Oceanside. Um, I got fired. The it was a packed room, and I was going to do two nights. And I did a show, a joke about Pope, uh, the the German Pope, the Nazi one who had been a Nazi <laughs> as a child. Doesn't doesn't German and Nazi go hand <laughs> together? Keep it moving. Like, we have a global he was audience. An absolute yeah. So I'm like, the guy is, you know, I did a little Nazi Pope joke. He was on time because he was, you know, new Pope. <laughs> too and, soon. Uh, and a bunch of the Catholic people that were there walked out, and then she. Uh, Said I could never work there again, and I had to. I had to replace myself for the next night for her. Bob no. Wheeler replaced me. Bob Wheeler, bless really. Him. Wait, I don't understand how. Like, isn't the point of comedy to walk that line and like that people sign up? Oh for yeah, that? but this woman, she was just a, 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 a probably a. Oh yeah. 
Yep. She oh. was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you understand. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, uh, last question in this section: Can you both describe either an incident with the worst customer you ever had to interact with, uh, apart from Mrs. Horsecock, Sean, or an archetype of who the worst customer would be? Oh, well, I mean, I, I, easy for me to say who my worst customer was, and there were a lot of them. But I mean, it's it's all going to go back to Mr. Dick T. Actually, it was Dr. Dick T. He was a doctor. <laughs> and I never forget him coming in. And I was the only one on. And he turned to me. And it was like at the, kind of at the end of the day. And more people were coming in. And you know that feeling when you're a waitress. And all of a sudden, you look. And they just sat seven tables at one time. And you're the only one on. And you feel like you're in the weeds. And I was looking at the people they were seating. And just kind of keeping my eye on everything. And he, this guy was a regular and he'd come in with his wife and he just turned to me and, and he said, look at me when I'm talking to you. Uh-uh. And then I was done. I was like, that's when I handed it off. I handed, you know, I just said, excuse me for a moment. And I left and handed the table off to my friend. And well, the rest is history. history. Yeah. But if, I, if I didn't, <laughs> If I didn't like you, and there were there were many, I just would find a way to just, as one of the Real Housewives, Meredith says from uh, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, I disengage. <laughs> okay, what about you, Vicky? I can't believe there's a Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. <laughs> I, you know, Bobby Riggs came in the shop one day, and he was a tennis player who played Billie Jean King. And he came in like he just was like God and his balls were hanging out of his shorts. Literally these oh. disgusting little balls. Oh my God. And, and he kept bending over the rolls and I kept having to see those little balls. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> went out to measure his house. And you're like, hey, my mom's sleeping on those. Could you please yeah, I go, your yeah. balls? I go, mom, you're going to you're gonna get some rigs <laughs> dripping on you tonight. If I were you, I'd put a sheet down. Oh and so, and then when I went to his house to measure it, same thing, same balls. Balls out. Okay, so worst <laughs> customer for you, Vicky, would be exposed balls. And then yeah. for <laughs> Sean, it's uh, entitled rude people. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Well, now we're going to move on to the good stuff. We hoped you saved room for desserts. Okay. What's the nicest thing a customer has done for either of you whilst you were working, if you can think of an example? There were so many nice things people did for me. But one time, this really nice lady, she was like really wealthy. And I went to her house and I said, you just need to get your carpet cleaned, ma'am. I got a good cleaner. You don't need new carpet. And I think like people usually took advantage of her because she was a single wealthy woman. And the next day she and her friend came in and brought me like three huge orchids. Oh, Oh, that's really lovely. What about you, Sean? Well, I mean, aside, because the place that I worked at, you know, it was a lot of well-off people. And that doesn't mean they always shared their money with you, but there were people who would come in and every time they would just hand you a hundred dollar bill. I mean, and this is a lunch, no matter if their lunch was 15 or $20. But I, I have to say, you know, I would, some, some of the customers I would just get so involved with, there was a mother and daughter team and they were, they were older and well into like their seventies and nineties. And, and they would come in and they came in with the mother would bring her husband when he was still alive and he was in a wheelchair and he was this sweet little man named Calvin and he had a bow tie. And, and he and I had just kind of like this like 
cosmic connection together. And he couldn't speak, but he could mouth words. And they would bring him in for his birthday. And I came out singing happy birthday to him and hugging him. And then he mouthed like, I love you. And when he passed away, the day he he passed away, I was I remember like working that day and I turned and everybody knew this, the, the, these three people. And I turned to my crew and I was like, Calvin died. And they're like, what? And I'm like, he died. And they're like, why are you saying that? And I was right about it. And just to get to know someone like Calvin and then later on the mother and, and daughter, they would just years later, they would take me out to lunch. And it was like, they, they felt like, like family to me. And I will never forget the first time I was, I, after 9-11, I was sent to go entertain the troops. And they took me, they took me to La Scala for a chopped salad. That's where we'd go. Mm. And they brought me this little angel rock that had a little angel inside of it to bring me good luck and to keep me safe when oh. I was overseas. And uh, I have a fear of flying. And so I always carry that angel rock with me because I feel like it carries the spirit of Calvin and also this this lovely mother and daughter duo. Wow, that uh, well, wait so to nice. drop the hammer. That was a huge, very kind. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, <laughs> Way different than Dick T. You, know, <laughs> you want to be known for myself? <laughs> You're like Angel Rock, totally Angel Rock, everybody. <laughs> okay, yeah. um, Vicky, what's the best lesson you've personally learned from working in customer service? It took me forever to learn it since I did it so long, but I literally, I used to be, you know, even though I worked in retail, I mean, it was it was kind of a combat retail situation, but I mean, when I would go to the, until like maybe eight years ago, I would argue with clerks about a, a coupon till, my, till I bled because I was so broken. I felt like I had to get every, make every dollar holler and, and every clerk was responsible for getting me my deal. And I was just really horrible. And about eight years ago, I just had this thing where I'm like, I'm never going to be rude to a clerk again. If the coupon doesn't go through, I'm not going to ask. And and I really changed all the way I did uh, that very day when I made that declaration and I have stuck with it. I did yell at a trash man for um, <laughs> blocking my way and I actually got out of the trash car and yelled, worst trash man ever. But so it's not like I'm, you know, completely reformed, but I, I should have learned earlier. But for some reason, I just I had this epiphany about eight years ago that clerks had a really horrible you know, we know like servers have it rough all the time, but so do retail clerks. And yeah. They don't even make as much money. That's right. And I don't know why I always gave them such shit about coupons, but I never do anymore. Sean, what about you? What's the best lesson you've personally learned from working in customer service? Well, I, I, I definitely, you learn patience when you're in the service industry. I learned that the customer isn't always right. What? And, and I also learned that you should always take care of people in the service industry and always be nice to them and just treat them as if they were your friend or your family. And that's just the way I, I, every time I I walk into a restaurant or I'm going through a parking structure and I'm talking to the attendant or somebody at CVS behind the counter, it's always, hi, how are you? How's your day? I engage people and I always, no matter, because you got to understand sometimes people aren't having the best day in the service industry. And I know people always expect like the best service, but I always, I always go above and beyond to tip at least 25% every time I get waited on or I'm doing takeout or for whatever the case may be, even behind the counter, you know, the, the, the baristas at Starbucks, just 
always just try and treat those people with the utmost respect, even if they're not giving a full 100%. Just know, I I know how hard the service business is. So I, I always take that into regard. And what's the, like, would you ever not tip? No, I always tip, yeah. no matter what, always. Vicky, what Unless about like the server turned to me and said, you're fat and you're old, then I'd be like, Fuck off. you're not getting any money. Yeah, that's right. Vicky, what about you? Do you always tip? You know, I do, but there's one thing I've got to say. There's a grocery store I go to right by my house, the trailer park here, and it's a Russian market. And not that it's Russian, but it, it is. Anyway, they have tip jars by all of the service counters, like tip by the meat. They also are Mediterranean and the tip by the olives. And so there's all these tip jars all over the store. And I have to say, I have never dropped a tip in their tip jars. And I go there frequently. I don't know why. I feel like if I start, uh, it's going to never end. Yeah, that's right. But in, that's my one to admit at the only time. But no, I tip all the time. Ever, every t- no, I won't go if I can't tip. I'm not going in. And if they really screw up, I still give them a tip, even if it's small. If they're really horrible. Okay. And then last question in this section, Sean. Is there anything you wish you knew before you started working in customer service that would have made it easier? Hmm. Anything that I wish I knew? No. I I think everything that I've learned, you learn from experience. I think if everyone. I think if people had, had told me how how thankless it could be, I don't think I would have stayed with it as long as I did. But I think it 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 really, you know, I put a notch on my belt as far as, you know, I'm not, I, I don't consider myself. And if I even come from a, a well-off family, I, I never have felt entitled because I have really worked so hard in my life. And it really help me go into the field of stand-up where you have to even work 10 times harder than you do in the service industry. That's right. And Vicky, what about you? Is there anything you wish you knew before you started working in customer service that would have made it easier? I wish I'd never work for your family. Never. <laughs> Okay, on that note. All right, ladies, well, tell us again how we can listen to the hilarious Trailer Park Diaries. How can we follow you two? How can we support you guys in any way? Well, you can find Trailer Park Diaries wherever you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, whatnot. And you can find me on any social media platform under at Sean Polofsky. Or you can go to my website, which is a little easy, easier to remember, which is hahachick, H-A-H-A-C-H-I-C-K dot com. Amazing. That Vicky. was such a good idea, yeah. having a ha-ha-chick. Very clever. Vicky Barbalak, such a pain. So Vicky Barbalak, <laughs> just good luck. Find me everywhere if you can spell it. Okay, folks. Well, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Trailer Park Diaries out now. And folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Surface from Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and or review the show wherever you listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us here at Service from Hell directly, send us your receipts to servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. People, it's easier that way. Thanks, Sean and Vicky, for doing this with me. This was so fun. Congrats, thank you, Kay. Thank you. Thank you very much, y'all. Folks, thank you so much for listening. Good night. Thank you, ladies, so much. This was great. Love you, Kay. Love you. Thank Love you. you. Kate. That was fun. Thank fun you. Seeing thank you guys you. again. Yeah, and I'm sorry that we had to do this again. <laughs>